It began in Africa. Um, hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. Well, you guys, welcome to my fitness episode. Um, in the same way that the Alex Earl episode was my blonde manifesto, um, this episode on Lauren Kansky, who I don't think any of you no i literally checked like uh my which of my mutuals follow her and like other than other fitness influencers and my husband (laughs) there was no one so i'm really excited to introduce you guys to her and i have a hunch that there's like some fitness and hopefully lauren kansky fans out there so please reach out if um if you're into her. Um, and before we get started, I do have to say that this episode is dedicated to my dad. He is my first biggest and longest running fitness inspiration. Um, he's 60 this year and just did a half Ironman, which I don't even know how many he's done in his time, but going to his races was a big part of my childhood. And I guess as he ages, it's just extremely inspiring to um, see someone remain so active. So um, definitely follow that as a guiding light. Um, And also hence the Chemical Brothers. (laughs) Oh, and also this episode is sub-dedicated to my little sister, who is my second fitness inspiration. Um, My sister ran D1 track and cross country in college and now is continuing that in graduate school. And um, she's just like a little machine and um, it gives me so many tips and so much info about the human body. So... (laughs) This is for her as well. Yeah, so if you can believe it, I got through an entire episode, the Caroline one, without saying the word embodied. Um, this is the embodiment episode. <laughs> so so um, let's go to some Stargirl news. Number one, Allison Roman threw the first pitch at the Mets game last week. She looked so cute with her little like open jersey and she did a great job and she just looked so happy. So we've talked about, you know, over the course of this spring, how Allison seems to be doing really well, like obviously riding the high of her third book coming out, but also she just seems good. And I guess we know we she has a new boyfriend who she seems really happy with, but I don't know. I just feel like she's back to her full character after so many years of her kind of like clumsily trying to regain respect and like find where her career was going to land in terms of like the home of her content and she's just really it's good to see it live on right when her career could have just totally like died and like been fine and wildly successful after 2020 and she's continuing to evolve so yeah I love to see it um okay and then also I feel like I didn't get all my like Tink's love vibes out last time when I brought her up she is a real one, you guys. And she has been like exceptionally based in the past week. (laughs) 
for two creepy reasons. One, which relates to our episode today, is that she called out fake meat. There was like some some post about like uh, the FDA like approving like lab grown chicken or something, and she was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like blah 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 blah, and like kind of going off about it. She got a lot of flack for that because people were saying like everything from just like vegetarians chiming in to uh, environmentalists talking about how much less water is going to be wasted in the production and harvest of this fake chicken as opposed to like normal chicken anyways and I thought she just like handled it well and she just feels like she's standing in her power and also I agree with her um then also she (laughs) she was listening to that book monsters by Claire Detterer that's getting a ton of like stuff of late and she's listening to it on audiobook and she like posted it to her story and she was like this is so boring (laughs) it's just funny I actually haven't read the book so I don't know if she's right or not but it's just I love when Tinks weighs in on things from her like 30,000 foot altitude things that like have smaller circle more like in crowd chatter going on about them and she just comes in and she's like what the hell is this seems boring or something so but anyways To the larger point about why I love her so much right now, I feel like she seems to be in a really dynamic place right now, and I'm really enjoying watching these chapters unfold. And I think I said last time, like, her her chapters in general happen really quickly, but I think that, I don't know, I don't want to say this. Okay, as we all know, one of the downsides slash limits of being an influencer in terms of how interesting you can be is that it's like not a respected craft right and so it's this weird space of persona that you kind of have to keep inventing and like creating plot points for and not everyone is gonna write an amazing character and be able to convincingly develop them right and so I don't have a take on whether or not Tinks is more crafted or more real in her self-portrayal but I think that she is really continuing to develop and yes she kind of has some default isms and ways of speaking and etc but I think that she is surprising actually because she's just well I mean my opinion is that just she's really trying to like understand herself and like really trying to better herself I mean she always says like one percent better every day right um but I think that is what makes her more interesting than say a Caroline Calloway who kind of just like latched to this set of character traits so early and then just continues to like hit us over the head with them um I don't know I'm just I'm liking Tinks's energy a lot because I find it both like convincingly vulnerable I guess because she like she embarrasses herself all the time she like says stupid things all the time she's like you know kind of up down up down all over the place um but then also I find her just like really lighthearted, and I think that's like the energy that I want in my life um another go girl is of course Alex Earl um who this past week announced the Alex Earl scholarship at the University of Miami so yeah she What's the even right word? Do you endow a scholarship? Host a scholar? I don't even know. Okay, whatever. <laughs> she puts some money down so that I believe like juniors and seniors in the business school can can 
get a scholarship. So that's sick. And remember when I was talking about in her episode, um, like her approach to charity, which is actually really unique and to me really admirable. Um, the instance that I talked about then was that um, like she was procuring items for like an auction, the benefits of which or the proceeds of which would go on to benefit like researching glioblastoma because this some random girl had reached out to Alex and said like my dad has glioblastoma and like could you help me? And I was really touched by that anecdote and it struck me as unique because that's not the typical way that we see influencers doing charity, right? They usually like pick from a menu of, you know, inherited causes, but Alex's way of going about it struck me. And I just, she is like, honestly, a good role model for me. People, um, because she has really strong principles, right? And we see those again and again. She's like so involved with her family. She's such a good friend. She like loves to have fun and like has this really, yeah, lightheartedness about her. But um, back to the like U Miami scholarship, like she cares about things that she has had direct contact with and really understands and really has like a from the inside out belief in. And so I think that's just really sick. <laughs> okay, that was like the last of the Stargirl news that I had. However, well, maybe let's just quickly revisit the idol now that it's done. Um, just lol at the ending. <laughs> it was hard for me to like take anything serious or like analyze anything because of the information that we had about how it was like already canceled and then it was like six episodes and then it's like five and so they clearly just had to like make something work um but yeah pretty stupid I definitely liked it less and less as it went on the first two episodes I thought were so good and then I was just like okay ew and I feel like a lot of people are calling it like an erotic thriller and I guess like genre wise it is but uh can't say I felt thrilled and I don't know what it was about it but like it wasn't like, she's so hot, and I, like, do feel the, like, dangerous sexual tension at times, but I just, it, w- it was a little too corny for me, I have to say. Like, <laughs> um, but in a way that I feel like, because the plot is so random and so many things are, like, introduced and then, like, tied up slash not even tied up and just not addressed, like, the entire Rob line, it's, like, <laughs> just all of it. And, like, all the betrayals, it's, like, you can't even, like, care. Anyways. What I was going to say is it's like so corny and all over the place that I almost feel like it has potential to become this like a weird like like a weird cult fave in like a decade or two, right? It's like slightly honestly giving like Tommy Wiseau. Like it has that same energy to me where it's like none of the plot makes sense and like all of this action happens like randomly at very random pacing and I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the other thing that I think this could become as a look back is like um, a marker of a moment when when the energy kind of shifted. And I think it this has been happening already, but I do think just like raunchiness and bodies and sex is like is back in a big way. <laughs> um, just like almost just like trashiness being like acceptable slash lauded. Um, and so, yeah, like, I feel like this, this show could almost like take on a showgirls like quality. Another one of my favorite movies, um, where at the time there was like, you know, it was like received terribly. It was like ripped to shreds and even watching it now, it's still very like corny and bad acting and the plot is kind of dumb and whatever. Um, but it represent or it, yeah, it represents like a, psychological disposition that 
is we are like rooting for years later and like why isn't anything sexy why isn't anything like um just like going for it that way um so I guess yeah decadent or something or and indulgent as well um anyway so those are my thoughts on the idol but yeah oh 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 also a lot of you guys reached out and agreed with me that Rachel Sennett is a star girl and Hari and um Lily Rose are not because I think everyone's just like fine with Lily Rose Depp and Hari Neff slash like they like love them you know like the most controversial thing about Lily Rose Depp would be like Nepo baby discourse but like no one cares about that um or if they do whatever um and then with Hari Neff like I feel like she's just like a darling of an ever-expanding scene you know so I don't really think anyone's like super pissed I don't think they're very I don't think they're very triggering to people um which is kind of interesting so we might think about why that could be um cool okay now we are shifting gears entirely to jump fully into a completely different direction that (laughs) has actually barely if ever been discussed on this podcast at all so so yeah we are expanding the jurisdiction of Stargirl which is exciting um As I mentioned, this can be considered my fitness episode. (laughs) And if this episode had a thesis, it would be that fitness is a celebration of life. So there are obviously many ways to celebrate life. Um, Sex, food, gathering, drugs, fitness. All of these things can be an expression of life force in some way or another. I love all of these things (laughs) and a pursuit of fitness commitment to fitness and physical activity has probably positively impacted my life more than any other single thing um other than like my husband (laughs) um and um so I think that it has been in a lot of ways representative of vitality and life force that I already harbor and the gateway to more of those things and um, has just like increased my ability to like live a life that I love. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about it today. (laughs) Um, So the episode is formally on Lauren Kansky, who we will talk about shortly. Lauren is a fitness professional, a strength and fat loss coach by her own words, um, and she will be the vessel for this episode. She's really important to me, although I haven't followed her for that long, like just about two years now, but she was really influential in my fitness journey, I guess, and just the way that I think about bodies and weight and food and movement and strength and longevity. Um, She was someone who brought into focus all of the many, many inputs around bodies and health and fitness that I had received both actively and passively just because like I'm sure all of you guys know even if you're not like fitness gurus there's just like an insane amount of 
body weight, wellness, food, et cetera, information that's just like all around us all of the time. And I think that there's a lot of noise and also a lot of good stuff. And um, anyways, the point is, is that Lauren Kansky, back to Stargirls as an organizing principle, really, really snapped everything into focus for me and um, both confirmed ideas that I already had and like just taught me so much like I guess at the end of the day she's just like in an amazing source of information and um uh yeah I love her she might be my only star girl that I'm like no notes like <laughs> um so anyways as I'm talking if you're not familiar with her please go look her up on Instagram um okay I should also say that I am not a fitness professional, obviously. (laughs) Anyway, so no, I am no expert. Um, So really the place that I am putting a stake in the ground here is just I'm going to share messaging that has resonated with me. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a coach. I'm not a personal trainer. But this is stuff I believe in, not because I have an intimate or expert understanding of the science that backs it up, but really just because it speaks to me. I find it inspiring. When I follow the directions, I see the results. Um, Like the if-then of it all checks out. Um, Whether or not I can sustain my commitment to following the directions is another situation. Um, And then I also just have like an inexplicable kind of want for a lot of the ideas I'll share today to be true Um, and because I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist or anything I don't know it's you know it's one of those funny things where you are like rooting for ideas that you don't actually like have a dog in the fight for like my right like my like career is not up against the you know whether or not these ideas are taken up I'm not like running for off. Okay, I'm thinking of the stupidest thing. Obviously, I'm not running for office. <laughs> but um, basically, I guess it's just like, it's cool when you find yourself so drawn and like faithful to something inexplicably. inexplicably. Um, yeah, I guess it's like they support values that I apparently hold. Um, so before we jump into Lauren specifically, I wanted to talk a little bit about the state of fitness and body discourse. So where are we culturally in that space? I guess, you know, recent history has been marked by um, the body positivity movement or health at any size. Um, You know, fat phobia in the past couple of years became like almost as serious as racism um, in at least, you know, the, the fear that people had of being like perceived as fat phobic um and the kind of the call to action on on doing like work and you know kind of like the decolonize your mind around fatness um the moment of reclaiming the word fat and fatness and trying to decouple it from its historic negative connotation um so all of this i feel like was the the state of body discourse like a couple of years ago and I still feel like we see that lingering though it's not as hot now because of course we had a proper reaction to that movement um and you know that that reaction has been chronicled as you know kind of skinny is back like ozempic vibes which we touched on 
in, um, I guess in the Alex Earl episode as well. Um, but just this idea that super skinny heroin chic is back into the beauty standard as opposed to a couple of years ago when we were, um, at least editorially, you know, doing a huge motion to showcase bodies of all different sizes, particularly very heavy women. Um, so the place we're in now, I guess, I don't know. I mean, if we're going to believe all of these like culture pieces is saying that we are back in a, in a skinny moment. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, when I get down this path, I'm just like, what is the marker of the cultural pulse? And I'm like, okay, well, the billboard that used to be showing Lizzo is now showing Jenny Kim. Like, you know, I'm just like, okay, what? Um, And then what else do we have in the larger fitness space? I mean, I guess the whole wellness space we're both tired of wellness and subsidiary industries, and we are also tired of wellness snark pieces, right? Like, we just got so hit over the head with, mm, like, the dark side of SLT, or like, you know, even like the Goop Cruise piece that Lauren Euler wrote earlier this year. It's just like making fun of like rich people's pseudoscience and like luxury chill vibes is like not interesting you know (laughs) so um anyways yeah so that's kind of I feel like where we've the big the big conversations of the past couple of years to narrow a little bit into like fitness world discourse like so so not just like gen pop body stuff but like actually within fitness communities um and if any of you guys are fitness professionals please check me if you think I'm Uh, culturally out of step. (laughs) Um, But big conversations, I guess, that I've observed from the fitness content that I consume. Um, Number one, there's big interest in longevity. Um, And there's a couple of pieces to that, like muscle health being maybe the biggest. Um, I was reading this book earlier this year called Outlive by this guy, Peter Atiyah. He's an MD. Um, And, you know, he, he was on like, like maybe the Goop podcast. And like that book is marketed more towards people in their 40s and 50s about how to like set yourself up for the remaining decades of your life but I still got a lot out of it and I would like encourage people to read it um what was I gonna say oh longevity okay so longevity is a topic that I see a lot of interest in of late um muscle health I mentioned again but I do think that there's increased we're getting like increased play out of studies that talk about the importance of muscle muscle health as a predictor of longevity as insurance against disease and injury um and so there's a lot of rhetoric you know kind of trying to empower younger and younger people to get into building muscle and to maintain that as they age going down another layer is protein discourse and so i think like i agree does kind of have grifter energy but anytime I followed it like I actually do feel really good and and I do feel like from what I have consumed I absolutely see the logic of why especially if you're trying to lose fat you should be eating more protein because it's more satiating, does more for your body and your cells. Therefore, you you have to eat less to feel fuller longer, right? So it, it, like, it just feels like it obviously makes sense, but I know a lot of people think it's like a whole load of crap, which is fine. <laughs> 
Um, okay, what other other conversations? Oh, I mean, like, this is kind of late now, but, like, cortisol has been talked about a lot in recent years. Um, cortisol as a stress hormone, right? So there's a lot of kind of downstream um, yay and nays that come out of cortisol discourse. One is just, like, to decrease your stress in general. Another is to skip the, like high intensity 45 minute workouts like soul cycle or berries or whatever because it just spikes your cortisol doesn't actually burn as many calories as you're being told that it does and isn't properly getting you into resistance training of any sort to actually build muscle it's just like a jacked up cardio class but at a level that doesn't actually do anything for your heart okay uh, a larger conversation is just like suspicion around pharma and the FDA and kind of, you know, this idea of like food is medicine, food is poison, and just um, increased awareness of ingredients lists, of where your food comes from, of... um I don't know. Okay, this kind of bleeds into the RFK Jr., which I talked about last week. And I'll maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more down here. I feel like this this like, you know, distrust of pharma, which I think is widely ex- accepted in mainstream liberal circles, for some reason there's this like you like abandon your distrust of pharma as soon as the like vaccine is brought into it, right? Because you know, these like symbols were clashing basically. Um, but I do kind of have always had just like kind of like a mistrust of modern medicine or something. And I think I've just like never been hospitalized. I've never had surgery. So I just like don't know. And I'm also just very squeamish. So I do think it comes like more from that place than from actual any like political leanings or something. But um like, yeah, I just, like, like I hate taking medicine. I've never been, uh, other than, like, birth control, which I think we've been off for, like, years and years now. Um, yeah, I just, like, don't like putting, like, like, I, I don't know. I never want to, like, be on SSRI. No offense if you are on one, but I just, like, don't want anything. I don't want anything in. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's kind of some stage setting for us about this kind of, like, state of discourse. Um, and then I think the next step is to think about, like, where do we, quote, unquote, rank fitness people or like people with enormous pursuit of being fit um or maybe okay easier way to say that is like what's the social status of fitness folks I guess so um even though yes there has been an uptick in recent years of women getting into resistance training so any sort of weightlifting powerlifting etc which by the way I feel like a lot of people don't really know the taxonomy of these different things but like powerlifting is a specific sport with specific movement patterns that in competition you perform olympic lifting is a specific sport that has specific (laughs) movement patterns that you compete with so i just see a lot of like crazy town mixing of terms online and so just like just find a little cheat sheet and like understand what all of the difference are but okay So yes, more women have been getting into resistance training in recent years, perhaps as a result of this increased focus on muscle health as a predictor of longevity um, in recent years. So yes, that is happening. And even so, I do not think that muscularity or a drive for, you know, supreme physical fitness in any form is like becoming a beauty standard or is even like a an item of sex appeal broadly speaking so it's like you know fit bodies like visibly fit bodies they occupy this space that is kind of like you know maybe universally like noticed or regarded right like you can tell when someone is 
fucking jacked. (laughs) It's kind of just like, oh, like, you know, respect. But it isn't necessarily sexualized. And even in a lot of situations, I think that like really, (laughs) sorry, I gotta say it again, really jacked dudes like almost start feeling like unmasculine because it feels like compensatory or is that a word? (laughs) Compensatory. Um, Okay, yeah, I think it is. Um, I don't know, something in that vein or even if they're straight, it feels kind of like homoerotic or something. So yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of people who, if they're like, I want to look like this, would show someone who is like super fit. It would more just be someone who's like, has very little muscle tone, but is just like thin and then like randomly has big boobs and a big ass. Do you guys agree? Um, And at least in terms of women and, and body beauty standards or whatever, um... I feel like there's a few pieces to this one which we'll talk about more later because Lauren is really like vocal about it is this whole like bulky misconception right like lifting weights is not what's going to make you bulky that's your diet like if you are looking bulky that's because you have too much fat on your body muscle like it the amount of time and dedication it takes to put on real muscle mass for the vast majority of people is a lot so we don't need to worry about that. But I do think that that's a, like a something that gets in the way of people, you know, wanting to pursue fitness. Um, another thing is like I feel like with very fit and toned bodies, just something like the effort is so clear or something. Like muscle will never look effortless because – it's not. And so you see the labor. And I think as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, you know, one way that I think a lot of people unconsciously evaluate beauty is by its effortlessness. And so I think that there's something a little bit, you know, disarming and maybe like roadblocky about a really, about a really jacked body. <laughs> like I have to stop saying it, but it's just so fun. Um, anyways, And then another piece on why it might not be the beauty standard. When you're really muscular, you do look worse in clothes, right? Like clothes look best on, there's nothing going on. And there's so many like, I guess curves for lack of a better word. So many undulations in a in a really jacked body that you um, you are just going to look worse in clothes. But you're going to look better naked, right? So that's the Lester Burnham workout plan. Um, so these are my ideas about why it might not be so valued in the sexual marketplace. <laughs> or maybe it is and I'm just like so wrong, but I don't feel like I see a lot of people being like, oh my God, so gorgeous. She has like amazing arms. Anyways, um, okay. And then to speak more specifically about like the social status of fitness girls, like, okay, if you think of like your average fitness YouTuber, right, she's probably like white, dyed blonde, like curling iron vibes, either from like LA, Utah, or Texas. Um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking like specifically of like a host of Gymshark girls who were some of the first people that I followed when I started getting into fitness. Um, and I still love them. But anyways, like that is a real type. 
Another type of fitness girl is like kind of high performance corporate fitness influencers. So these are like your celebrity soul cycle instructors, your celebrity Equinox personal trainers, like that sort of thing. Um, then you also have your like yoga girls, which are distinct from Pilates girls in so many ways. But I think, you know, there is some blurring. Um, so maybe we can make them like a larger camp. Um runners honestly that's an entirely different can of worms I don't think I can get into but I think in general people that dedicate their life to fitness are viewed as anti-intellectual right because their life is um centered around their body rather than their mind I guess if we were to break it down um it's also not seen as a very like artful or like cool space like I I really can't think of any time where like fitness has this like cool factor cachet like it can be like respected it can be like I don't know I feel like there's every couple years there's like a new boutique studio that gets a lot of buzz but I don't think it's like deeply awful in the way that we think about creative or art scenes or fashion scenes or whatever like I do think that there's it's something about it that feels like yeah just less cool I guess in a way um and I think that I can't tell like chicken or the egg which what I'm about to say if that breeds this or this breeds what I'm about to say but um I think that fitness is viewed as not a space of elites um and I'm not talking about like wealthy wealthy stay-at-home moms who just spend their whole time going to their personal trainer and boutique fitness and wellness spa and whatever like yeah I guess I just think that's interesting because obviously like health is (laughs) wealth (laughs) sorry but it's true right um And I think that maybe there's something that just feels like there's nothing that feels like illicit about the pursuit of fitness. So it just doesn't have like sexiness that other activities and scenes and crafts may have. Um, And I think that that is like a shame, but it's also fine because you can just pursue it anyways. Um, Oh, wait, one person who has really galvanized a lot of support for uh, fitness and getting chicks in the gym and making it feel sexy is Megan the Stallion. I don't know if you guys have watched her like kind of I guess like body transformation really and it's like not just that she lost a lot of weight it's actually that she's gotten like so fit and um, from the knowledge that I do have of anatomy um she looks good I watch her like rundowns on TikTok and I'm like oh your form looks pretty good <laughs> so um yeah that's that's cool um okay really really quickly last thing is like I'll just give like a basic overview of like my relationship with fitness and trajectory with it um just so you know like where I'm where I'm coming from where I stand (laughs) so um I well first and foremost I'm very grateful to be from an active family as I mentioned my dad is an endurance athlete and was all growing up and um him spending time in the sun running cycling swimming was something that was just like happening all the time and um I'm feel really grateful to have like 
that value um, gifted to me at such a young age. But that doesn't mean that I was necessarily a super fit child. So I was a dancer growing up, as you guys know, um, but that kind of had a shelf life because I just didn't have, I didn't have the lines to be a ballerina, (laughs) Um, which is fine. But when I stopped dancing, um, I kind of like didn't make any changes to my diet and I didn't find another like movement passion. And so I don't know, I just was really unhealthy and I gained weight and I looked bad and I felt bad more importantly and I just had no concept of like what I was doing with my body and any time that I lost weight it was all just the result of like a bout of depression and like eating disorder vibes which I think like every woman ever can relate to at this point um but yeah I just didn't have any sense of the comings and goings of my body (laughs) I guess um so all through college just felt and looked pretty bad if I do say so myself um my senior spring of college my boyfriend at the time got me into powerlifting um honestly my body changed overnight um this is what they call noob gains when you're brand new to um resistance training your body is so unaccustomed to it that you get like you honestly get like physique transformation um so it's it's pretty amazing and something that uh, everyone will have a longing for <laughs> afterwards because there's really no way to like trigger that kind of immediate response ever again unless you take like a long time off. Okay, okay, I'm getting too far into it. But anyways, so that was hugely empowering for me and hugely focusing to just like have something that was so challenging that you had to be really disciplined and consistent with in order to see any progress both in the weight that you were moving around and your body composition changes. So it just kind of like forced me into this structure which I was desperately needing um at that time in my life um and I have been pretty consistent with it ever since so that was 2016 so yeah it's um seven years of very consistent weight training um even with that consistency my weight has fluctuated all around still because like whatever's going on with my diet like contributes way more at this point than like if I'm actually making it to the gym um The impetus for this episode, oh, and then also the explanation of my little mini hiatus, was that I actually really injured my back for the first time ever lifting um, in April. And so I will be totally fine, but it was like – just like, I don't know, I guess the biggest injury that I've ever had. And so um, I'm like really excited by and amazed by like the progress so far and um, more so than ever just feel like recommitted to fitness and my health. Um, And yeah, just excited to progress, I guess. Um, I also turned 30 this year. So that combined with my back injury, I just kind of had this like moment of clarity where I was like, I want to be in the best shape of my life on my 30th birthday. And that is kind of hard to measure because there's so many factors that you could choose. But one factor that I chose is that I want to be able to do 10 pull-ups when I wake up on my birthday, December 5th. So if any of you guys want to join my pull-up challenge, (laughs) you can come. Right now I can do four. So or two sets of three. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, oh wait. And also I just want to give a shout out to all of the like first fitness influencers that I originally followed back in 2016 when I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just like really enjoying the time spent in the gym and the way that that 
discipline really gave structure to my life, as I said. Anyways, the first influencers that I ever followed, um, three Gymshark girls, Whitney Simmons, Nikki Blackadder, and Jasmine Garcia. Jasmine hasn't been with the company for like years now, but these were these people are so influential and I still have like so much love for them. So you should check them out if you don't know them. Um, and then these two are extremely random, but I have to say them anyways. One, this chick, Cynthia Liu. I don't, I feel like she just came up on like my explore page and then I was just like, yes, and I've like never unfollowed. So yeah, okay. Speaking of really jacked, she is extremely strong. So she's in the mix. And then (laughs) this chick I followed like the year before I knew I was going to, or like the year before I moved to New York when I already knew I was going to move there. And I was like, oh, what does fitness look like in New York? Like everyone I follow is from LA. Um, Also sidebar there, before I moved to New York for this writing program, I it was either that or I was going to move to LA and become a fitness influencer. And honestly, I kind of wish I had chosen that. I mean, I don't, but it's like, (laughs) at this point, I'm like, I kind of do. Um, anyways, the point is I followed this girl named her at is like Jess glistening. And I feel like you guys actually might know her, but yeah, I remember she had the Dagny Dover backpack and then I bought the Dagny Dover backpack. Just all of it. It's like, (laughs) gotta look ahead. Um, okay. Okay, and with that, <laughs> let's move into Lauren Kansky. Okay, so who is Lauren Kansky? Lauren Kansky, as I mentioned, is a fitness professional, is, in her own words, a strength and fat loss coach. Um, she is NASM certified. She is on the advisory board for Women's Health Magazine, often featured in their spreads and quoted, etc. And then she's also currently a senior coach on the Ladder app, if you guys know this. Um, this is a relatively new fitness app, and I think Lauren was pretty much in on the ground floor of it. Um I actually don't follow her programming specifically, but I do subscribe to it because I like to like pop in and do a workout sometimes. And I also just like want to support the cause. So it's like 30 bucks a month and it's like, I don't know, totally worth it. (laughs) Um, So, so that's what she does. Those are her, her formal roles. Um, For those of you who don't know who she is, like uh, you could consume her on Instagram, I think is like the best way to get acquainted with her content. Um, She's also on TikTok though. That's just like, uh, it's less it's less cohesive, so I feel like it might be, yeah, just a little bit more jumbled around. Um, or as I mentioned, you could also join the Ladder app, um, and her program is called Body and Bell um, because she does a kettlebell program. Um, so Lauren is a relatively new but very disruptive voice in the fitness space, at least um, from my vantage point. I actually only found her in 2021 through a trainer who I was working with virtually at the time. Um, shout out to Ash Wang, if you guys know her. Um, and actually, on that point, I'm just going to say like a full list of other of the most like influential fitness people in my life, and they may come up later in this episode. But if they don't, at least you have their names and you can go follow them and see if they resonate with you. Um, So Ash Wang, I mentioned um, this formerly trained chiropractor, now fitness coach um, named Dr. Julia Morgan and her fiance. They just got engaged. Hunter Krine. Um, Liz Plosser. She's actually the editor in chief of Women's Health and... um, yeah, she's amazing. Um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, um, key person in the muscle muscle health space and very close friends with Lauren. Um, actually, Lauren's like friends with all of these people. So anyways, um, okay, this, uh, if you're into more of the grifter fitness vibes and you should follow Dr. James D. Nicolatino, um, he's insane. He posts like, very simplistic things that like really, uh, I don't know, I'm drawn to, even though they're like kind of stupid sounding, but it's like, 
okay, yeah, I agree. Like he'll post something like, um, <laughs> like addictive personality, uh, get addicted to self-improvement. You know, it's like I eat that shit up. So anyways, him, Dr. Andy Chen, um, his husband and wife couple, Alan and Gianna, I think is her name or uh, Gianna. I'm not sure how you say it. Aragon. Um, and then the OG Gymshark girls who I already mentioned. So going back to Lauren. Okay, so Lauren's bio. She is either 31 or 32. She grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and she went to CU Boulder. She graduated for, in 2014 with a degree in integrative physiology from Boulder. And um, she talks about working as an intern in like hospitals and in the medical field and just really feeling turned off of that entire environment. Um, like she was planning to take the MCAT and go to med school, and that was like her whole – uh, thrust and then being inside of it she was just as I said really turned off like um, one thing that she's talked about a lot on a variety of different podcasts I've heard her on is just like the the tendency to go for medication over preventative stuff like I think a classic thing that's talked about is like you know insurance companies will cover medication for pre-diabetic patients but would not pay for a gym membership or uh, even like Okay, sorry, David just got home. I don't know what I was just saying. Um, basically, that Lauren had been working in medical environments and was very turned off from the tendency to prescribe medication over working on preventative stuff or trying to actually strengthen the body from within. Um anyways, and yeah, I mean, this theme has already come up with kind of just distrust of pharma and Western medicine in general. Um, I want to be really careful that I've never actually heard Lauren say those specific words, but um, she does talk about that as like the general trajectory. So then after after she decided that she was not going to pursue medicine she took some random sales job and she talks about having hated it and she quit on like a random day and drove up to a gym in boulder and she there became a personal trainer and built a small but dedicated i guess client base um and was working there for a few years then her husband brooks who works in finance um, got a job in new york city and so they moved there is when she started at Equinox. And um, this is the foundation that kind of, you know, started to launch her into where she is today. So she was working at Equinox as a trainer. I mean, she talks really highly about her time there. Um, but in 2019, she did leave and she joined Performix House, which was this like extremely elite gym founded by this guy named Matt Hess or Matt Hesse. I don't know how you say it. Um, it's like $900 a month. Um, but anyway, so she was a trainer there. So really at the top of her game at that time. Um, when the pandemic hit the following year, Lauren was one of the first fitness people who really saw the opportunity in online fitness. She did not shy away from how to kind of, you know, transition her business model so that she could still work with her clients so that she could still reach people during the pandemic. Um, so as I mentioned, I found her because I was working with this trainer, Ash Wang, um, who was kind of, you know, connected to her on Instagram and they shared a lot of similar, um, ideologies, I guess, um, which I'll get into, but I remember being really initially drawn to Lauren just because she was really in 
intense. Um, And, you know, she kind of represented a type of fitness culture that was just like way more hardcore and accessible at once. So it, it kind of reminded me of like, like old school gym rat vibes where it was like really intense like pretty masculine honestly in the and like really coach mode also like it wasn't like letting yourself off the hook in any way and it didn't even seem to be really rooted in like any of those softer like body neutrality or like food freedom or like any of these soft feel goody warm and fuzzy ways of approaching fitness and it's not that those are wrong and also like I consume a lot of that content as well but just Lauren really struck me for what an intense coach she was. Okay, so back to her bio. So at some point, she made the jump full-time to Ladder, this emerging app that I mentioned. So the way that that app works is like you join, and then there's a variety of different coaches who have specialized programs that you follow. The great thing about Ladder is that it's actually progressive programming. So they work in like six week block um, and you like kind of diagnostic test yourself at the beginning and end of each block to like note your progress. And they're all just done by coaches who really know what they're doing, who are like building a program for you, not just doing random workouts in a random library on a fitness app. Um, So anyway, so you choose one of the coaches and then you follow their program. So that's how it works. As I mentioned, her program Body and Bell is kettlebell focused, though you can always like regress the motions with you if you want with dumbbell or even body weight or sub in a barbell if you want to lift heavier. Um, anyways, so yeah, so I intercepted her somewhere around this time. I can't remember if she was already working on ladder or not, but somewhere in this general time. And I was just kind of passively consuming her, I guess. Um, But like over time, I found myself paying closer and closer attention, watching her following grow, watching the controversy kind of surround her and um, yeah, just getting more and more into her. Um, so at the time when I did intercept her, she was living in Los Angeles. So they had moved to LA after like right when the pandemic started, but then she moved back to New York in, I want to say it was like sometime in 2021, but maybe it was even 2022. Anyways, she was here for a while. She lived on the Upper West Side. Um, and her life in New York was, I mean, she had a ton of private clients that she would go see. She was always racing around the city and she has two dogs. So she spent a lot of time outside with them. Um, but she also was like, you know, going out with friends and going out drinking and partying and eating out and whatever. And so there was like, um, I don't know. I mean, it was a window into a very different life than I live in New York, like just yeah, like locations and types of people and fashion and whatever. But it was like on the whole, like digestible late 20s life, I guess. At the end of last summer-ish, I don't know the exact time stamp, she kind of did like a big life overhaul. First of all, she stopped drinking, which she didn't like announce. It's not like she said like, okay, I'm not drinking anymore. But I think like a month or six weeks in, she talked about having not had a drink for that long and that it wasn't like a conscious decision she's not like quitting she's not like sober now but she's just like seeing where the journey kind of takes her um number two she left new york so she actually moved back to colorado where her and brooks had met and where they have family and um bought a house and was living with their in-laws for a while and yeah just fully departed from new york um Brooks, her husband, who, uh, you know, up until this point had not been an athlete, was not like fit, I guess, um, also quit drinking and started training for an Ironman. So they started documenting as a couple his 
his training and his progress. And um, I mean, it was honestly really amazing to watch like someone who it's not like he was like overweight or like noticeably unhealthy, but just like how much different he looks now um, as a result of like, you know, cleaning it all up. It's I don't know, it's pretty amazing in like less than a year. Um, yeah. And then she also got pregnant <laughs> around this time as well. So full, full life overhaul. And she stopped drinking before she got pregnant. So she's very careful not to like insinuate a causal relationship there, but she notices it, that she'd been trying to get pregnant for a while. She stopped drinking. She cleaned it all up and then she, um, was able to get pregnant and she actually just had her baby last week, a uh, baby girl. And yeah, everyone seems healthy. So congratulations, Lauren and the rest of your family. Um, okay. So that'll happen. Oh, oh. And then the last thing is that she got really into her faith. And so, um, I had assumed that she was like raised a Christian because like I I just had for some reason, but recently she actually talked about not having grown up with faith as a big part of her life. And, um, that they just kind of got into it as a result of this like full, life overhaul and I guess it's kind of interesting because I feel like you know within certain scenes in New York there's a lot of sobriety discourse there's obviously like turn to religion discourse and I think that those things feel within those circles as kind of put on and like borderline annoying things even as they are like objectively life affirming (laughs) and so I guess two things one it was interesting to see Lauren make these changes that go alongside these cultural narratives even though she's like so outside of the circles who are like responsible for for keeping that churn with those conversations so kind of like cool like dovetail and then also I think for me as someone who is not raised religiously and like I don't go to church and as someone who likes to drink and party but has significantly like cut that all back actually Lauren was probably an influence for doing that um I get it was cool to like have someone outside of these certain like New York circles be doing it and seeing like these huge positives in their life because it was like so clearly not connected to any sort of like in crowd performance of values and tastes. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It was cool to watch and be influenced by, I guess. Um, Okay. So, okay. So that's the Lauren Kansky bio. That's like the, you know, this is the, the, skeleton of her life um so hopefully that gives you a little bit of context of you know the type of girl she is um let's quickly run her through the star girl paradigm machine just so we can get a little more we can hone this image a little more so ripe dead she's obviously ripe um i think that like given that to me fitness is a celebration of life and vitality like she just like has to be ripe like there's nothing like dead about her at all okay pretty obvious sun star moon I would say that she's a sun vibe she seems to very I mean she's a coach right so she's kind of like the keeper and responsible for a lot of people a lot of people really trust her with their time and their body she has seems to have a strong gravitational pull and um, she draws people toward her and around her um to the dog cat mouse wait I actually don't know if this has come up if I brought this up, this was like a long time ago, but this is like an original paradigm, but for some reason, maybe I haven't brought it up so much. Um, it's dog face, cat face, mouth face, mouse face. So it really just has to do with like the lines of your face. So dog is like a longer face. Cat is more like 
angled upward face and then mouse is like pointy forward face so lauren has a dog face she's got big brown eyes and like a longer feeling face um like an example of a cat face would be like olivia wilde right like like sharp upward diagonal angles and then mouse face would be like honestly azalea manx has a mouse face it's just like you know it's like pointy like hello you know um okay and then fluffy sparkly i would say that she is a sparkly grounded mom and i think grounded makes sense like she's like pretty like boots on the ground like strong principles um and then the mom she like just seems like a natural kind of like caregiver slash like sergeant you know like she has like a taking care of vibe I guess um the one that might be more confusing is the fluffy sparkly because she is like you know I guess we would think of like fitness investment in body like as like more like natural feeling things because they are like decidedly not artificial routes to enhancing your body right it's not plastic surgery you know and she's not doesn't wear like nails or anything I feel like I always give those same two examples but you know what they work for the 99% of chicks um anyways but the reason I think that she is sparkly is well twofold one just her like style and vibe is just like it feels more like glitzy I guess when she gets dressed up than like fluffy flowy natural vibes like she'll like curl her hair and wear like a big mascara and like I don't know just like kind of like a bodycon dress or like skinny jeans and like a going out top so it just feels more sparkly to me than fluffy and then second of all there's something about really toned people that does look kind of if not futuristic like something kind of like robotic or like post-human about it I guess so um yeah, so I guess on the like nature artifice continuum, it's kind of cool to think about where to place her because she almost does feel artificial because it's like so highly like chiseled and like, again, back to the effort point, like see the labor of it because like no one, unless they really pay attention to their diet and exercise is going to look like that. Like I think I actually think so. While I stand by her being sparkly rather than fluffy for that reason, I think she's more on the nature side than artifice when you take the whole gamut of things that she could choose to participate in and how she does it, you know, like she had, okay, well, she just had a natural birth <laughs> for one. <laughs> um, but if you guys pay attention, I think you'll get, the, you'll get the vibes. Okay, so now we are moving into Lauren Kansky's key theme. So what, sh- what is she all about? Um, we already talked about, you know, the larger fitness world discourse around muscle health as an indicator of longevity, um, both for injury and disease disease prevention. And this is something that Lauren is very, um, very deeply rooted in. One way to think about it is that like Lauren's beliefs are kind of well-timed for larger cultural conversations. Like she's kind of gaining momentum right as the cultural conversation like naturally provides a space for those ideas to like um, – you know, reverberate, I guess, um, and have people like accept and reject them, I guess. So 
Um, we already talked about the huge uptick in resistance training for women in the past few years. Lauren is a huge proponent of this. And resistance training as opposed to things like cardio, Pilates, boot camp style classes. Um, and, you know, I already talked about she's like very against like cortisol spiking workouts. She's like, okay, you know, ditch the soul cycle and like either do like a proper hour of like zone two cardio to like actually build up your cardiovascular system or lift something heavy. Um, there's also been like an explosion of TikTok content related to this, like not just from Lauren, like, like if you just like look, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about this anyways. Um, the other piece of that, uh, muscle health and longevity thing is protein. So we talked about protein discourse and the grifter vibes of it. Um, Lauren is super passionate about the importance of protein. Um, she always recommends one gram per pound of ideal body weights. And, um, so let's say like you want to be 125 pounds, you should at the minimum be getting 125 grams per day of, um, of protein. Um, and if that feels too lofty at the very least start with hundred grams a day and then work up from there. Um, Lauren shares what she eats like almost every single day and it's very, very simple. Um, and I think that, you know, I'll talk about this in a second, but like simplicity is kind of at the root of like everything that she advocates for. Um, but food is one of them. Like something she always says is like, I'm not a food blogger and neither are you. And another thing that had a big impact on me was um, like not every meal has to be a celebration. And I didn't realize like how much I was like either using food as a celebration or like seeking celebration out of it I guess or maybe that's the same thing whatever you know if it wasn't like you know there was like need to be like something special or an occasion about every time that I was feeding myself right so I need to have like a little sweet or like a drink okay that I actually don't drink that much but like you know as an example like it's like fun to have a glass of wine when you go out to dinner or something like that and like something that just makes it feel celebratory I am a huge advocate of like celebrating your way through life but it doesn't have to be through food and in fact like decoupling those two things celebration and what you consume like probably will have like a ton of other benefits at the very least just make you feel less bogged down and gross at the end of the day okay anyways um so you know Lauren advocates for just kind of yeah simple repeatable meals that you actually like to eat that meet your macros and feed your goals um one thing she talks about a lot is the concept of the adult lunchable so she's always saying like eat like a kid right like they have like some slices of turkey and they have some grapes and they have like uh, some simple carbs and then they have like whatever they have you know so the adult lunchable and this is actually kind of funny because or like coincides with the like chicken apple sausage and mustard and cottage cheese chick on tiktok tiffany whatever anyways i don't know if lauren has weighed in on that but <laughs> there you go um so that's kind of like the root of where everything else kind of feeds into or out of that I'll talk about um but as I mentioned I would say that in general her work and messaging is characterized by the simplicity of her message um like at the very basic level one of her key messages is there's so much noise in the fitness industry and so she understands why people are confused why they can't hit their goals why they don't even know what their goals can or should be. Um, and this just causes like overcomplication, hyper specificity where people like, you know, really want to self-exceptionalize and make like their body issues or their like mental hangups or their schedule be the barrier from them and fitness. So I think that 
that's really smart of her to just like both acknowledge that there's so much noise and also kind of inadvertently be like, you're a part of the noise. Like you're creating noise and resistance to the thing that you say you want. Um, Stemming from that, she makes access to a healthful lifestyle, to increased movement, better diet, very, very simple. And it all really boils down to move more and eat less. And uh, this is funny. I like said that phrase offhand a couple episodes ago, and I've literally never gotten so much, um, so many people upset about that, which is funny because I, yeah, I hadn't even thought twice about it. And like, I believe in that formula if you're trying to lose weight, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, Lauren doesn't say that specifically, but um, I'll talk about some of the other things she does say, but it all really boils down to that. And she always prefaces it with the introductory clause, if fat loss is a goal, comma, you know, essentially move more, eat less. And so I think that that's really key is that she says that so often, if fat loss is a goal, because I really like puts the onus on you to be like, wait, is fat loss a goal? And like, I think a lot of people have a difficulty admitting that they want to lose fat because there's so much noise and like it's become such a touchy and complicated subject, right? And so it's almost as if to say I want to lose fat is either like uh, fat phobic or it's like a sign of psychological unease that is being manifested as a want to improve your physique, but that's not the real want or something like that. Um, So I just think it's very like touchy. And I think it's like Lauren saying this is A, I see why it's like, I guess, triggering for a lot of people and a lot of her like haters. But then it's also ultimately just really useful because it's kind of like, okay, I need to be real with myself. Is this what my goal is? And then, okay, I take the steps that I follow the advice to specifically do that and just make it very, very simple. Um, So this is along the lines of like calories in, calories out. This is something that my dad used to say to me when I wanted to lose weight but felt like, oh my God, it's just so complicated. Like there's all these factors to manage. And he would be like, oh no, it's really just like energy in and energy out. And I had so much resistance to this idea because I mean – reflecting on it I think it was like it was so simple so maddeningly simple and I like couldn't get myself to make those changes right like I actually was just overeating and under moving and that's why I wasn't at the weight or body composition that I wanted and so it was easier to just be stubborn around the my idea that that wasn't true rather than just like accept the very obvious science of what a calorie is (laughs) um so anyway so Lauren is definitely in that camp as well um she doesn't say this anymore because I think she's kind of like she's realized her influence and like kind of just like cleaned up her act a little bit but she used to always say fork down ass up (laughs) which is pretty hilarious um she will still say things like we are a society that is chronically overeating and undermoving and even so far as to be like stop eating so much food right and i think like her honing in on this uh phenomenon of overconsumption in our society is like really powerful and really really shocking to a lot of people because they don't want to hear it because they've like genuinely internalized the messaging around why that sort of messaging is toxic or something um but yeah I think it's really powerful of her to just like start there and always come back to that root of like 
we are chronically overeating and undermoving. So we can at very least start there with what is within our control. Um, stemming from that, another huge point of hers is what gets measured gets managed. So she's a huge advocate of calorie counting. Again, asterisk, if fat loss is a goal, you need to be counting your calories because you need to be in a caloric deficit. And how will you be in a caloric deficit if you don't know how much you're consuming every day? You know, counting calories is obviously a very hot topic for people. Many people feel like it's like toxic diet culture or they just have genuine memories from a time earlier in life where they did count calories and it was this really restrictive, you know, negative cycle that they were in and they didn't have the emotional, mental maturity to like be in a place where that was like a a useful tool that they could use and instead it was a way to punish them. So I think, I mean, I have empathy and my own like stock memories of that um, that I can relate to. Lauren is not so interested in whatever is going on psychologically that could potentially be making you have an unhealthy relationship with movement and with food. She sees her role as a coach to try to motivate people and keep people accountable to what they say their stated goals are. So again, I've said this a million times, but if fat loss is a goal, you need to be in a caloric deficit. You need to know how much you're consuming. Um, So... Yeah, she's also very skeptical of things like Apple Watches and other, um, you know, like a elliptical or like a treadmill machine that like says how many calories you've burned um, because I, I guess they like drastically over-report that. Um, and also she's just a huge proponent of like decoupling movement and food because, um, I mean, I'm sure everyone here has either experienced or witnessed people being like, oh, like I ate this cookie and then I burned it off at the gym or like, oh, I – burn 200 calories on my jog so now I get to like do this and it's just like that is such a like the earning of the food and the working off the food is like not going to be a sustainable place and it's also not going to make like movement become something joyful and essential in your life if it's constantly related to your caloric intake. Um, so what Lauren says about decoupling movement in food is that they are both great tools, but they are separate strategies of weight management, right? So like I was kind of just saying, like, don't abuse your body in the gym to quote unquote earn food. Also don't abuse your body in the kitchen by overeating and then quote, work it all off, right? Um, so it's like a toxic, inefficient strategy and you'll just keep yourself on a hamster wheel. Um, so, you know, she kind of, flips this narrative that we have around calorie counting being something negative and just says, you know, when you correctly fuel yourself, you perform better in the gym and in your life. Um, And one thing that she says a lot is just like, don't eat like an asshole. And this was actually a messaging that really worked for me because I think like, you know, your mind wants to overcomplicate it and almost like, you know, keep you stuck or something and be like, okay, well, I can have like, you know, if I have two eggs for breakfast and then I can have my like chocolate and thing. And then if I have my metabolism powder, then I can blah, 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 blah. And then like you, whatever, you just want it to be more complicated than it is. But she'll just be like, don't eat like an asshole. Like when I remember that, it's very clear what would be asshole eating behavior and what is non-asshole eating behavior. And it's just kind of, you know, it just, it cuts a lot of the crap out. Um, I guess one thing that she is like, I guess, sympathetic to, if we could say, is like kind of the, the accidental phenomenon of overconsumption in our society. Um, she said on a podcast, which I will link, like, yeah, we accidentally overeat like as a species, right? Like primarily we're programmed to overeat when food is plentiful for survival and to move as little as possible to retain energy. But the problem is in our modern world, food is always plentiful and we literally move as little as possible, particularly if you have uh, a desk job, which which I do have, but um, I actually put in my notice today, you guys. So 
yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pumped. <laughs> Um, so yeah, basically just that like, you know, she'll be like, evolution hasn't caught up with the reality of modern living. So she does kind of, you know, she doesn't, she throws us that bone. She says, it's not completely your fault that you eat like an asshole. <laughs> you are pre-programmed too. <laughs> um, I guess just like last, last piece on food. Although we actually, this is not the last piece. We're just going to continue the food conversation because it's actually really interesting. And I think it's like the space that is like more of the difficulty for people um psychologically and like in practice to manage their food at least it is for me like I said that I've been like so consistent with weightlifting since I really got into it and that is true like give or take like some seasons I'm just like less interested in it want to do more like yoga or running or whatever and then like of late with my back rehab I haven't touched a barbell in over two months um but the nutrition is all over the place. That's the part of the puzzle that has like always been more difficult for me because I just think it's really easy to overconsume. Um, or what we're told is like a normal amount of food to eat is like too much. <laughs> um, okay. So um, regarding intuitive eating, quote unquote, which has been like a huge buzzword of, you know, the past few years. And there's so many like online nutritionists who like pledge to help you regain your sense of intuitive eating or practice intuitive eating on this Lauren says like look at children they are all intuitive eaters Um, they eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full but as we age other stuff happens that creates this emotional relationship with food as reward as self-sabotage as secret as comfort whatever and so we look to food to fill something in us other than a physiological need, right? It's like a psychological need. Um, and so what she has said, at least in one place, is we can't re-become an intuitive eater. So it's not about doing all this like trauma therapy to hopefully build a new relationship with food or regress to a past relationship with food. Um, that will always be fickle. And like it's, you know, it's kind of just like not a sure science, right? Because your emotions are going to be all over the place. Life's going to get crazy. Like you won't be as grounded sometimes and able to, your, st- your schedule will get nuts, whatever. So the more efficient and more sustainable way is to get informed about how much you're actually eating, hence calorie counting. So understand how much you're actually eating and know that it's probably way more than you think. And then do this to educate yourself, not to restrict, not to self-sabotage, really to arm yourself with the knowledge that's going to allow you to reach your stated goals. Um, so... Yeah, in in that podcast I keep referencing, she says, watching your weight and counting calories is viewed as negative. And what could be negative about maintaining a weight that is healthy? Um, And I think that that sounds really obvious to me, but I'm aware of like maybe not today in 2023, but maybe in 2021 when incidentally I think that podcast was recorded. I'm aware that there was a time that we are not that far out of, if out of at all, where advocating for healthy weight management, you know, kind of cast you as as a bad guy, I guess I will say. So I think that's all on food, actually. Um, there's a couple myths specifically regarding women's health and fitness that Lauren has done a lot of work to dispel. Um, one we already touched on a little bit, which is like the idea of of getting bulky if you touch iron and um lauren is extremely lean and extremely extremely strong um i mean right now she just had a baby so she hasn't been she hasn't been maxing but she did lift all throughout her pregnancy which is something i'll talk about in a second um 
anyway, so she just works really hard to say, like, if you're getting bulky, that's because of, like, your nutrition, not because of your muscle mass. So that's one thing. Another thing is that she talks a lot about weight gain during menopause, which is kind of this, you know, inherited idea that at least, you know, I've received, um, that that's just, like, a natural progress. That's an inevitability. Like, short of becoming, like, full almond mom psycho, you, like, cannot stop this train or something. Lauren is obviously not in menopause. She's 30 years old or 31 or whatever. Um, But she talks a lot about the science that supports it. And there's not good evidence that the hormonal changes that women undergo actually affects weight gain. Instead, habits change. People move less, they eat more, and critically, they drink more alcohol. So they're just more sedentary. They're consuming more. Like they don't have as active as a life as they did when they had kids in the house. Um, And therefore, they gain weight. And so she talks about a lot about that. That is something that has garnered her a lot of hate on the internet, particularly from women who are actually in menopause. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of just like an easy shot to take, but they're basically like, okay, well, you know, check back in in 20 years once you're undergoing this and blah, 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 blah. But anyways, that's a source of a lot of controversy for her. Um, The other biggest source of controversy, I think, outside of just like her kind of hardo approach to calories and discipline with your with your progressive training um is uh her stance on working out during pregnancy so she did regress some movements I know from because I watch her so closely but she worked out very hard and almost every day throughout her entire pregnancy her baby was born healthy and um I don't know this was just a space that felt like the most kind of personal attack of anything that I've seen and also that seemed to like affect Lauren the most and I mean she keeps a pretty strong perimeter like for as like sweet and like I don't know. Like, she really, really cares about the shit that she's doing. And so, like, I I guess that's – I was going to say she's, like, vulnerable, but it's only because she's, like – well, I don't know. Her vulnerability is actually interesting because she does share a lot and very rawly about the day-to-day of her life. And she kind of, like, makes no apologies and doesn't even, like, editorialize her own life. Like, she's just kind of like, this is what we're doing, and it's just kind of, like, take it or leave it. Um, she's not very self-referential, I guess. She's kind of just, like sh- – I don't know, kind of just very straightforward, which I like and like suits her in her profession. Um, But then she also is kind of like invulnerable in just the ways that she's like a coach and like really tough, right? And so I don't know if she would, if we would ever see her be like, this really affected me emotionally or something. Um, Because she's really, she holds herself to really high standards. She does reflect on like past choices that she made or past like seasons of behavior. So like, you know, Um, I guess the most obvious would be like when she used to drink and kind of just like reflecting on that and how much he's changed and how much her life improved in so many ways. Um, So that that is an area of vulnerability, I guess. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think of other things that are really controversial for her. I mean, there's kind of the typical stuff of people just being like, why are you wearing a bikini on the internet? Like you just want to show your ass. You don't actually care about fitness. But like that's pretty low hanging fruit. And I don't think anyone cares about that, specifically not her. Um, you know, some people think that like her programming isn't great. Like, I don't know, on Reddit, people are always like questioning the efficacy of her program. But I think they say that about literally any program. So like, it just, again, doesn't really matter. Um, I do think that 
the biggest reason why, you know, kind of evokes this love-hate response for people is just like how simple and direct her framing of everything is, right? She's like always separating people into doers and excusers. And she talks about how like she can tell within like the first couple sessions of working with someone whether they're a doer and excuser. Um, so that's one area, obviously, the fork down, ass up. Like people just don't want to hear this. Like, I, I think that like people don't want weight management, fat loss, path to fitness, et cetera, to be this easy because that means that it's available to them and then that the problem is actually them, not their schedule, not the particularities of their like body situation, you know, not their asthma, not their plantar fasciitis, not their whatever like knee that they sprained in high school. Like, um, Lauren just has like no tolerance for that. And she's just like, everybody can start somewhere. And like, that can be today. And just like, you have to show up for yourself. A quote that she says, or at least has said, um, though it is not hers, but that she nods to is the truth will offend you before it changes you. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's a little like, testy right like she's like trying to provoke a little bit um in the way that she comes out swinging but I think on the whole I believe that she really believes in what she's saying and isn't just trying to like be this outrageous character on the internet who's like ruffling feathers um oh well I guess another thing which well, since I brought this up with Tinks, is that Lauren is a huge advocate of animal-based products, both as like the best, if not only, protein source, and just like as opposed to any sort of like meat substitute, fake meat sort of thing. Um, She is, yeah, just really adamant about animal products um and she like kind of has no patience for people who are like oh but they're expensive but eggs have cholesterol in them she's like yeah invest in your food food the back to the food is medicine food is poison type of thing um you know she's very anti-fake meat as i mentioned when kim like signed on with beyond burger or i think it was beyond burger that she was just like wisecracking on her and just like calling her out and like saying that the whole thing was idiotic etc um another thing that randomly gets people mad is that she's always like nut butter not a protein it is a fat (laughs) people like don't want to let go of their (laughs) their peanut butter i guess we could look a little bit about like how she deals with pushback um sometimes she can be kind of a wise guy about it but in general she's actually just like super direct like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of strategy going into her provocations I guess um obviously that could just be the result of a very successful strategy that appears easeful but uh I don't know I buy it like <laughs> maybe this is the first Stargirl I've done where I just like fully drink the Kool-Aid so it's like I have you know it's more of a like a portrait of like me being uh impressed upon (laughs) um but anyways but no I mean like beyond like agreeing with a lot of the stuff she says I also just really admire her this is actually kind of back to the tinks point about like dynamism and like continual growth as opposed to adherence to predefined ill-fitting character is that like yeah it just seems like Lauren is always like learning and growing and like when she gets new information she shares it and when she changes things about her life she shares it and she's not like fixed in this one way of being and resistant to being wrong or not learning anything new or whatever and so I think of like I mean the thing that I've already talked about like 
changes with alcohol, like turning toward faith. Like another random one is that she used to like only do like some sort of resistance training, whether like barbell lifting or like her kettlebell program. And there was never any like cardio save for just like sprints or something. And in the past, I don't know, nine months to a year, she learned a lot about zone two cardio and like has made it like of big part of her program and speaks about it a lot and speaks about the benefits of that and heart health and kind of endurance in that space. And so I don't know. I just think it's cool. And I actually do think it's unique because I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fitness professionals who are kind of like, I've carved out this niche for myself and the only way for me to be successful is to just like, just stick to this and make it even more like theatrical, me in this niche, you know? But Lauren is actually very agile and um, just open, I guess, at the end of the day. And it seems like she has such a strong core belief about certain things that I've already mentioned. And then Beyond that, she is really open to influence and expertise and um, yeah. So and then, and then that further like substantiates her as an expert because she, you know, she can build trust in that way, I guess. Um, and I guess like also I just think that ultimately she's coming from a really beautiful place, which is, these are not her words, <laughs> these are my projection of her vibes, is that I believe that she wants people to feel good and to live long happy lives. Um, Back to the thing I said at the beginning, like fitness being a celebration of life and movement being a celebration of life and just an expression of vitality, life force, etc. I think that Lauren comes from that place. And so like, you know, I'm inspired by her vision of the world, which is one wherein people are physically fit and capable and have a lot of energy to do all of the things that they love because of the way that they treat their body through nutrition and through exercise and at the very least I want that for myself and so why would I not extrapolate out and like wish that for the world I guess so I guess that there's a sense of like deep faith between Lauren and her message um and you know it really feels like she has something that she believes in and you know we've talked about like point of view as a very critical piece of a star girl um that people who have a strong and original point of view tend to be people who generate conversation because it's very disarming to see somebody who has such a strong self-conviction you know, rather than regurgitating other people's points of view or fashionable points of view or pointing to a library of expertise in lieu of a point of view. And so, you know, Lauren just is so clear about what her perspective is. And, you know, she's so tenacious with that belief in herself. Um, And I really respect that in anybody. And then plus, I agree with her. So I like, you know, would follow her anywhere. (laughs) it's interesting because when I like broke it down like I just did of like wanting a world for yourself where you are like healthy and physically capable and then feeling like it's a natural follow to want that for the world like said that way at least the way I'm experiencing myself saying it I'm just like oh yeah like obviously doesn't everybody want that but it's you know it that is not the case (laughs) like in fact I feel like to a certain extent Uh, interest in fitness and placing a primacy on the body more generally has actually been villainized or just like looked down upon, right? So, you know, 
to say something like picture a world where everybody is healthy and fit, that is actually kind of coded as fascistic under a lot of lenses, um, or at the very least, like very shallow. Um, you know, there's like one view of like, oh, that's just like fat phobic, intolerant, like unempathetic to the like massive population who doesn't have access to good food and like leisure time that could result in fitness, etc. And I think I mean, I actually haven't heard Lauren speak directly on that, but from what I have witnessed of her, I think that she has a tremendous belief in like personal responsibility. And um, I just think she would think that everybody can start somewhere. But also I think that she's not really speaking to the disenfranchised writ large. I think she's more speaking to people who have no reason to <laughs> make all of the excuses that they're making, um, which is is a different um, genre, I guess. Um, yeah, and I was even thinking about it because we've talked about like how pathologized an interest in beauty is, but I actually even think an interest in fitness is more pathologized, which is crazy because like, I don't know, like fitness has so many other objectively moral imperatives baked into it rather than beauty but I think like more people are comfortable admitting to wanting to be beautiful or more people are investigating that like sticky space within themselves that like desires beauty and feels guilty for desiring beauty but I think that like more people feel that way than they even do about fitness like I think well maybe just less people are interested in fitness so they they don't care okay whatever it doesn't even matter but um yeah Anyways, I actually uh, several years ago wrote an essay called Make Yourself a Gift, which was the tagline of an Equinox advertising campaign. And it was this really interesting campaign, which they've like kind of continued in the like basic aesthetic space of. Um, but the interesting thing about that campaign, other than the like angelic homoerotic imagery, was that they were kind of making this case that like narcissism is actually like a form of effective altruism because the best thing for the world is to like increase the value of everything in it and like you only have control over increasing your own value aesthetically, health-wise, etc. And so to be becoming the best that you can be physically is actually a gift to the world. Anyways, um, the essay that I wrote, it's just funny to track how like much you grow, I guess. <laughs> um, because at the time... Like, I think, I, you know, I was really drawn to it and I was drawn to these ideas and I wanted to, like, ex explore them and analyze this, what this campaign was doing. But I also was, like, more quick to be like, oh, yeah, that's, like, obviously bad to pretend, like, narcissism is altruism is, like, obviously bad. And now I'm kind of like, oh, well, I don't even know if I think that's narcissistic in the first place. Like, maybe, maybe people are helping the world by becoming more healthy. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyways, um, I guess I will say that even though like I don't feel like I have very extreme positions on fitness and also as I have like so far to go in my own fitness, um, even to the extent that I am interested in it, I have like lost friends or like gotten to a place where my relationships feel tenuous because of it. I mean, the most simplistic, it's just like people like, I don't want to like work around your workouts. There's that. But then there's also, I have had one friend in particular I'm thinking of who just felt like it was like a slippery slope, my interest to fitness going into like dangerous fat phobia or accusing me of like it all being motivated by self-hate and didn't want to be around that or whatever. 
I don't know. The point is, I think that it is brave to make a stand around fitness if that's something that you actually do believe in because um, a lot of people are going to want to tell you that it's not worth it or that it's actually coming from a bad place within you, a desire to just like be skinny, to regain control, to like, you know, work yourself to death. It's like this different type of self-sabotage. And it's not that that can never be the case, but I like, I just think it's weird how quickly fitness gets like maligned or like all of these like really easy assumptions that it's coming from a bad place. Um, I don't like it. And I won't stand for anyone telling me that <laughs> anymore after like in that when I first got into fitness, I think because it was just like a big change in my life and for my friends, I just had like multiple people that who were like accusing me of like d- doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like, what? Um, anyways, how do I close it out? One thing that's kind of like percolating up through the discourse and comes up with Lauren and specifically comes up with that woman, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who I mentioned, is, you know, kind of trying to recenter the narrative for the general population away from fat and toward muscle. So we already talked about all of like the importance of muscle discourse that's happening. But, you know, something that Lauren has said many times is like, we live in a fat obsessed society. She kind of explains how that clouds people's vision because they're like working against something that they're told is bad or at least told is free rather than working towards something that they're just like told is like good and healthful and so I don't know I mean I think that could be like an interesting reframe I don't know if I think it would be that successful just because I don't know if muscle is as like I don't know if muscle is as much of a star girl as fat (laughs) frankly like I don't know if it can galvanize the support and momentum I don't know if it can generate conversation in the same way that fat can (laughs) um so Anyways, or like at least until musculature on women is like valued aesthetically the way that lack of fat is, I don't know if it would be like a super viable case to like, I don't know if there can be like a strong muscle campaign that everyone's like, I want to, I want to build a lot of muscle. I want to get really strong. But I'm telling you, it is like, it's so awesome to be strong. Like it's like amazing how good you feel just moving through the world in your clothes, opening doors. I remember my ex-boyfriend said that to me when he first came. He was like, you're going to just feel so good opening doors. And I was like, why do I care about that? And then I got to the place and I was like, wow, I feel so good. Like, I don't know, just feeling bad in your body. It's not what we want for ourselves. <laughs> it's not what I want for myself. So, um, yeah, I support Lauren in her campaign to make the world a better place. <laughs> and I believe in her. Um, well, that was mostly all that I had. Um, but... I guess I would just encourage everybody to to look her up. And if it's not her that does it for you, um, I named all those people at the beginning and I'll put their ads in the show notes. And um, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Anybody who's really like into fitness and has more to share with me, anybody who is interested in it but feels like social pressure that it's not cool or doesn't know how to get started or like, I don't know, whatever number of reasons that could be getting in the way and and like I said if anyone wants to join my pull-up challenge (laughs) I could use a little team okay well great the last thing that I want to talk about is just uh super zooming out just to um think about star girls as this magical 
thing in the universe, star streaking across the sky, the fleeting nature of a star girl. And how, you know, like if, if you're not paying attention, she'll pass you by kind of thing. And I was thinking about this with Lauren because like I think if I in- intercepted her today, you know, she just had a baby. She's like kind of, you know, whatever. Just for her life phase now, I don't know if I would even like pick up on her as a star girl. Not because she doesn't still have a lot of momentum and a lot of passion behind her messages, but because like the moment that allowed for her to feel like a disruptive voice voice we're just a little bit past it already and doesn't mean her reign is over just absolutely does not mean she has more to give or that she's like valueless to us at present absolutely not the case but I think that this is one of the things that makes a star girl so um exciting is because when you feel like you're the witness of it you're it's like oh my god I'm watching this like amazing like chemical reaction of a personality and beliefs and just moment in time like I'm, I'm watching this all unfold at this amazing pace with all of this energy surrounding it it's just cool <laughs> like there's a reciprocal relationship of star and stargazer (laughs) um obviously we get something out of like our voyeurism or else why would we be doing it but um you get to feel like you're in on a moment um when when you see this type of reaction um to a specific person um so yeah, it's just something to keep in mind that like, you know, blink and you'll miss it and just to be grateful for for the stars that you do get to witness. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing is when you watch it live, then you have a special perspective on what they meant and what they did, right? Like... Um, they may not be remembered correctly in the papers or their legacy might be co-opted by the wrong crowd who want to make her into a symbol of something that she isn't a symbol for and that the people who were on the ground at the time never saw her as a symbol for anyways. Um, So yeah, it's cool. You know, and then when you're on the other side where it's like someone who you didn't get to witness live but who you like, you know, kind of learned the importance of like you're always playing a little bit of catch up right I've talked about this with Taylor Swift before where it's like I was not a fan in high school college and then I had to like really really do my homework and there's so much that I will miss so much that I can never regain or experience and that's okay because like you just have to be honest about who's striking you (laughs) like but um yeah it's a special thing so I feel happy that uh, I was pulled into Lauren's orbit at such a cool time for her. Okay. All right. I have got to go. I have to head to JFK. <laughs> Let's get after it. All right. Bye. Work hard just to get high, Work hard just to get high, No, I know it. Get into a